Hey, Emily. Hi, Jeff. It's season two of the Theology and Podcast. I'm so excited we're still here doing this. Yeah, we are excited. We had fun with the first season, and it seems like at least a few people were listening. So, And we have endless questions. There's just endless things to talk about. So this season, Emily, what are we focusing on? This season, we are thinking about the question, what does it mean to be a human being? I think I hear a lot of pastors do this, or especially pastors as they're talking around the pastor table. They start with the doctrine of the image of God, and they really focus on the abstract part of what it means to be a human. Like in the doctrine of the image of God, there's a couple aspects. There's a functional aspect, the things that we do. There's the essential aspect, the things that we are. But I don't know that that helps somebody thinking about why they go to work nine to five? Why do we focus on that abstract part as theologians and less on the day-to-day stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. This image of God, as I've looked at it, learned we go there because it's the first thing that we see in Genesis. And then actually, there's not a lot to tell you what it is. What does that actually mean? And actually, we see more in the New Testament that Jesus is the perfect image of God. What does it mean that we have Christ in us? What does Christ's life and mission demonstrate about what it means to be a human being? And then we could start to maybe think about how does that affect our own decisions in our lives? I think that's really consequential. When we say that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, and then we look at ourselves and we talk about the indwelling of the Spirit, we know that we're 100% human beings because we're so limited. But then we have this great power that dwells within the body of Christ. And what that means for human beings is a really interesting question. I think we could file this in in theology land under the category, uh, fancy words here, theological anthropology. So, you know, there's the study of anthropology, but we want to do it in a theological way. Folks have been talking about this for a long time. This is not a new topic. You've, you've done a little bit of teaching on this, Emily. Where has the conversation been? Like, what, what are the topics? How do we think about what it means to be human in theology? Yeah, so we, we mentioned that talking about the Imago Dei in Genesis, and it doesn't say much directly there what that is. And so there have been a lot of people that have talked about core sort of characteristics of a human being that, that perhaps God also possesses and therefore is what it means to be a human being. A famous one of those is being that human beings are rational. God is rational and therefore human beings are rational. And that's what it means to be made in the image of God. We could think about other things like creativity, or I think those are the two that I hear. It's not that there's nothing good to say in those conversations, but what happens often is that we tend to pick one that we think is important or that is sort of predominant in society and and sort of project that back. Mm -hmm. And then that means a lot of things, but particularly, you know, how do we picture what rationality means? And what if somebody is not rational according to the societal definition? And that would that would indicate that they don't have the image of God. And of course that's not something that we that we would affirm at all. Right. And so, you know, there's other sort of theories about what the image of God means, meaning perhaps that God has given human beings a task. And if we look at that task throughout scripture and then being fully brought into via Christ, that Christ is the perfect image and that he is perfectly carrying out this task 
that God has given him. And that sort of opens us up to think about eschatology or the new creation and, and what humanity is being created for, not just in the past, but for the future as well and, and how we are to live. That's really good. I do think there are a lot of ways that our talk about the image of God can trap us in things that really fall short of our final destination of living in the presence of the love of God, where we express our full humanity there in the new heavens and the new earth. You mentioned some of them, like when we cut people off from the image of God, because we don't think that they're rational. Gosh, that that's really dangerous. And we've made that mistake in the past. You know, St. Augustine said that women are not made in the image of God. And that's a really big problem. You know, disability studies as absolutely, well. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and so, you know, folks made the turn to say the ability to respond to God is part and parcel of being made in the image of God. And people with even very significant intellectual disabilities are still capable of responding to the goodness of God in the world. So th- there's ways of addressing that. John Calvin, you know, formulates a doctrine of sin that says that basically the image of God is quote-unquote, obliterated or wiped out or lost. And that says a lot about what it means to be a human on this side of, of, of Genesis 1 and on this side of heaven. And whether or not he's right, you know, that has an impact on what, what we do from day to day and how we think, of, how we pray for forgiveness, etc. And ultimately, you know, maybe I, I would end with this, is um, we think in InnoVarsity, we have this statement that we believe in the value and dignity of all people created in God's image to live in love and holiness, but alienated from God and each other because of our sin and guilt and justly subject to God's wrath. And we look forward to a day when the sin is wiped away and God reigns in fullness and what that's supposed to look like. So much of our topics for this season are really representative of efforts on this side of heaven to both reflect and to work on living a life the way that we're supposed to live as human beings. So that's one of the things I'm excited about. And some of the ways in which the powers and principalities come in and tell us uh, what it does mean to be a human being and how God is reclaiming that through the spirit, through the Christian community, through our efforts at, at understanding these things, researching these things, and so to to be able to live more fully into how we were created and, and who we will ultimately be is an ongoing conversation. It is. It is. So, so last example. So, you know, one of the innovations in the doctrine of the image of God is that if we're going to be Trinitarian about thinking about what it means to be human and God is Trinity, then humans made in God's likeness, in God's image, they are relational. As the members of the Trinity relate to each other, so humans are supposed to relate to one another. And so I think about social networks, even social networking, and the impact of social media on teens, young people, what it does to our minds, what it says, who we are, and what we're supposed to be. I mean, talk about principalities and powers. They're all over that, trying to tell us exactly what we're supposed to be. Right. And how we learn to relate to each other, as you were mm-hmm. saying, through these technologies or how that uh, deforms our ability to, to actually pay attention well and relate to each other. So, I mean, these are intellectual interesting, but Emily, why does this topic interest you at a personal level? 
Yeah, I think if, if I think about my own sort of life story so far, one big element was, I, I think if we talked about some of our research interests earlier in the first season, but I used to work in the corporate world. I worked in corporate marketing research and did that for about 10 years. And then I basically heard from the spirit that I drastically changed my life direction and went back to school to study social justice and theology. And I I had a pretty big identity crisis in the middle of that journey. I realized just how American my faith was, or at least white American in terms of how I thought that my faith related to the rest of my life. And that maybe maybe Jesus was just kind of an add-on to help me achieve my other goals. And, and really, I came to be able to finally express that I felt like less of a person um, in that transition, basically because I was not making the same money. I was not consistently moving up the social ladder and therefore was taking a a big step backwards in terms of that typical progression of an American dream uh, outlook. And as I was kind of experiencing that and studying theology, it was very eye-opening for myself. And that shaped how I think about theology and the things in our lives that teach us how, how to be human, what a good life is, and that there are a lot of things teaching us without us thinking about it. I would have never said that I cared about money or mm-hmm. any of those things, but then came mm-hmm. to find out that I did. So there are a lot of things teaching us what it means to to be a human being. So Jeff, what do you think about this question? I know we've talked about this a little bit before. This is deeply personal for me too. I, I think about my time working in the church and that there there is, I mean, w- what a central institution for the shaping of what we understand to be the human life or the good life. Right. Week after week, we sit in the pews and we think about what what it means to be a human being. I mean, whether or not that's explicitly the question, we're thinking, what what are we doing here? How are we supposed to feel about things? How are we supposed to relate to each other? They're very human questions. And at the same time, there's a lot of our churches that I've been to and that I've been a part of or that I've worked at that are shaping us in ways that I don't know are super humanish, you know? I remember one conversation in a think tank where we referred to churchgoers as, get this, giving units. Oh, boy. I I can't think of anything less human than that, Emily. I just was very concerned about that. So part of it is my participation on a week-to-week basis in this organization that we call the church and whether or not pastors and administrators think of us as human beings. And whether our ministry organizations think of us as human beings either, or are we worker bees, worker units? But I guess ultimately, you know, I think about my kids. My son, for example, is on a basketball team and they're struggling through the season. They're fighting hard. It doesn't always go well for them. In fact, it's been rough lately. And I think about what that's doing to them as kids, as players. Their team happens to be mostly Asian American and biracial Asian. And I've been thinking about how do you motivate someone? What kind of vision do you lift to help someone really get excited about play, right? A very Mm. human activity. So it's not going to be the same for every culture or every player, but we want to help our coach get the most out of our kids. And why do we even want to do that? I think there's something about play that becomes work or 
play that even becomes worship. And I don't want to confuse play, work, and worship in ways that mix up what it means to be a human. And I think that there's probably some theology in there for us. Yeah, if we think about what does it mean to just play versus when that becomes turned into something that we instrumentalize for yeah. some, you know, more productive worker bee kind of ends. And I think just back to your earlier question about thinking of the question of what does it mean to be human in very abstract ways. I think if we think about it differently, it really helps bring all the different theological topics and issues and doctrines down to how does this affect mm-hmm. my life? So there's lots of ways to think about how theology affects our our everyday life, but there's a certain perception that it's it is this esoteric conversation but really these questions about what it means to live a good life are theological questions in our what is theology podcast Justin Bailey talked about how he talked about this with his students getting them to see that they were able to talk about movies and different things that they engaged in were were speaking about what it means to be a human or what the good life is and what do we get up every day and live for? And and then he was able to get them to see that these are actually theological questions. Yeah, and so for our listeners, just to give you a little bit of a preview, you know, here we're pondering some of the abstractness of the question of what it means to be human, but we've recorded a few of our episodes already as we sit here and record this intro episode. And we've already been finding that our theologians and our other academics have really focused very squarely on the experiential side of what it means to be a human, whether or not we have a sense of who we are or whether we are getting the justice that we perceive as important or whether we're having religious experiences or whether work is meaningful or too meaningful, all very, very experiential, concrete expressions of this question of what it means to be human. And we might even think then that The whole reason that we can have these conversations is because we believe that God cares about our everyday life, that God, that Christ became human to be Mm -hmm. with us, to experience Mm -hmm. our life, and that that means that our actual concrete experiences matter. And of course, there's all different things, you know, we can draw on to, to answer that question, but fundamentally our, our everyday existence as human beings, as human beings. Mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lots of other things are telling us the way in which our lives do or don't matter. So theology has something to say, and we want to talk about that. Absolutely. And, you know, even as you say that, I'm reminded of, I, I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but I'm reminded of these two seemingly diametrically opposed hymns. One of them, this is my father's world. One of my favorite lines in that hymn is, In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. We think about the the world as being imbued by this grand significance because God condescends first by the Son and then by the Holy Spirit to be with God's people. And I find that to be wonderful. And then there's this other hymn that says, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And, you know, all the theologies that says it's all going to burn anyway. So we live in between these poles of like the super significance of every molecule and the total insignificance because it's all going to be burned up. Those are theological questions and people land in different places on those things. I don't know where you are on those things, but I'm definitely more toward the first side where for me, every cool evening breeze 
is an expression of God's care for me. So when we were at the basketball tournament this past weekend, it was 110. I wasn't feeling the love of God. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's interesting because a friend of mine, we walk and pray together regularly. And it seems that every time we sit down to pray outside, there's almost always a breeze. And it feels very much like the Spirit is there with us Mm -hmm. through that breeze. Emily, any episodes so far that you are excited for our listeners to hear? I think that there's a couple that I'm particularly, well, gosh, they're all so good. All of them. (laughs) All of them are our babies. But I think based just on my own research, I'm really interested in people hearing the conversation about work and, and some of the ways that work might teach us how to be human beings and how the church can help reshape that. So we think that our work is valuable, but it's also not the thing that we worship or the place where we find our ultimate meaning. And how do we hold that intention? What about you? Yeah. Okay. So I just saw this TikTok the other day about... Oh boy. Yep. I know. (laughs) Back in 2013, or maybe it was 2016, the first certified, I don't know if he was certified, but the first person to be declared to be a cyborg. Ah. Because he implanted yeah. an antenna in his in his brain, and he walks around with this antenna, and it's like sticking out of his of his head, and it helps him to perceive color. I think I think it's color, something like that. I could have that wrong. You can look it up on TikTok if you want to. But we have an episode with Dr. Victoria Lorimar and Dr. Chris Roselle, and and they both look at human enhancement and and technologies like neuro neuroengineering technology. Chris is at Georgia Tech and he's doing cutting edge like scientific neuroengineering stuff. And that question of what it means to be human when we can enhance ourselves, that's really interesting. I mean, you'll hear my remarks at the intro to that one. I, I'm a, as an early adopter, I'm at risk of not being very reflective when it comes to implanting chips in my brain. Yeah, and and it will be interesting to see how that compares to our conversation about mental health and um, how do we experience being human and walking with Jesus in the middle of mental health challenges. Yeah, so I I just this we could we could have added so many topics to this episode of what it means to be human because all of these experiential questions seem to impinge upon the larger question of what it essentially is a human being. So I hope our listeners have a good time with this season. I do too. And uh, we're not going to get to one buttoned up answer in it, but I, I hope that the questions, I mean, that's not really our goal in doing theology to, to get to one concrete answer, but hopefully, yeah, these kinds of conversations just open up some broader reflection on our lives together. We hope you enjoy. This season, we're excited to become a part of the Missio Alliance Podcast Network. Missio Alliance invites Christian leaders into a generative, expansive, intercultural network to cultivate a holistic theology and practice. So check out their work and resources at missioalliance.org. Visit us at theologyandpodcast.com. Or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.